want to thank you all for allowing me to speak today. Um, as I was introduced, I'm the director of the Colorado Prison Initiative, and I teach for Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in the college that we have out of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, a little while ago, uh, before we came here, uh, the president of the seminary and the college, he texted me and said he needed to speak to me. It was one of two possibilities. I had done something wrong and I was in trouble, or he wanted something from me. Thankfully, it was the latter. And when I met with him, he said, uh, Daniel, I need you to go to prison. That disturbed me a little bit, and I said, well, honestly, uh, Dr. Sproulin, I, I need a little bit more information than that. So he sent me out here to start a prison initiative, a, a seminary program to train prisoners to share the gospel of Jesus Christ behind the prison walls. Now, when I left, I got a lot of mixed reactions from a lot of different people. Some were excited, and rightly so, and some were concerned, like, why are you going there to witness or to teach these people? You know, something's always up when they use those kind of, kind of language. So why are you going there? Aren't they getting what they deserve? And sometimes I often get the question, well, who makes the best students? And I just remind them, I say, well, murderers. Does that shock any of you? They do. Murderers make the best witnesses because they have no hope outside of Christ. They have reached the bottom of where that anybody can go in our society. And yet, but God has something for them and has called them to do great things. Things that you and I take for granted when we live in our society. For example, when you talk to people and share with people your thoughts and ideas and convictions, chances are you don't have to worry about bodily harm. You may offend somebody. But these gentlemen live inside a world in which anything they do can be seen as aggression, an affront to any type of leadership among the inmates that may have. And they share the gospel boldly. And I may mention that a little bit later in my sermon, but there's real threat to them physically where they can and cannot sit, what they can and cannot do. But it brings me to the point of our message this morning. I've got a question for you. If I had something for you men that I could send home with you today that you could set up in your house and it would produce an aroma... And every time your wife walked into the door, she'd be like, wow, think of you. Would you be interested in something like that? Sure, absolutely. Some of the, one of the ladies in the last sermon said, yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, I have something for you. Anybody interested? This is an unwashed, used exercise sock. It's been ran in several times. Wait, hold, hold on a second now. Now, this is, this is a good deal. It's free. It used to be white. I don't know what color that is now. Nobody interested in that anymore, right? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'll be reading from the King James Version today. The New King James Version today, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Please stand with me as we read God's Word. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge 
in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Let us pray. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day and this opportunity to gather here together without fear of persecution. To come together to study the truth of Your Word and to apply it to our hearts and our lives. That we may implement it in this lost and dying community. Lord, be with us now as the truth of Your Word pierces our hearts. That our desire is to give You all praise, honor, and glory in everything we do. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible uses a lot of biblical imagery all over the place. This is how God chooses to communicate to us. He's a relational God, so we're a relational people. And we relate to each other in a variety of different ways. And one of the ways that we relate to each other is through our senses. And the Bible uses a lot of interesting examples. For example, in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, there's descriptors of fragrance and aroma as they pertain to the sacrifices of the Lord, as they are a sweet and pleasing sacrifice. We also see references in the Song of Solomon, the fragrances being used among those who are attracted to one another. Have you ever been around someone that has walked by and you get a hint of some perfume and cologne? And it's very nice. It catches your attention. And then, have you ever been around somebody that seems like they've bathed in this stuff and your eyes start watering and you don't know what to do and you're disoriented? And sometimes they just come to church and they sit right in front of you. I'm just... My wife, uh, bless her heart, she married a man who is affected by smells. I'm allergic to certain smells, not like anaphylactically so, but there are a few things that just stop me up and so she's not able to wear many of the perfumes. Paul is not the, this is not the first instance where Paul uses analogies to talk about fragrance. We see in Philippians 4.18 when he's talking about money or some sort of provision that was being provided to him. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you've provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. In our text this morning, we see two references of types of aroma. We see fragrance of Christ used, but we also see this aroma of death and aroma of life. Everyone here has a knowledge of aroma of death. I'll never forget the first time uh, being in the military, going overseas, and having to experience the first dead person ever in my life as a 20-year-old. and Zipping up my first body bag. That is a smell that I will never forget. It has been ingrained into my memory so. What about you? Driving down the road and you hear roadkill or in some other remote parts of our country, dinner. You drive down the road and you hear roadkill. You smell it. and It fills your car. and you got to roll the windows down. And then, oh no, there's more coming in. It's rough. What do we do with it? The Bible uses examples like this. And I can't help but to think of some of the stories that we see in here in John chapter 11. Or Jesus is angry in Himself and He came to the tomb and it was a cave with a stone lying against it. They removed the stone. He said, remove the stone. And Martha, the dead man's sister, told Him, Lord, He's already decaying. It's been four days. From the King James, it's 
literally, he stinketh. Don't do that. That doesn't bother Jesus, does it? What about when Jesus crosses to the other side of the sea? And as soon as they get out of the boat in Mark 5, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He'd lived in the tombs according to the text. And Jesus was like, Woof, I can't minister to you yet. Go take a bath, right? No. But what about this aroma of life? How, how, what, we know what death smells like, but what is life? I can't help but think about Genesis 8, beginning in verse 20, all the way through 9, verses 6, where Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Lord, in verse 21, smelled a soothing aroma. God saved Noah and his family, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. And in chapter 9, he tells them to protect human life because it's made in the image of God. I can't help but think in this moment that that sacrifice to Noah after what he has seen of people perishing and dying, that that sacrifice was very sweet and fragrant and represented an aroma of life. So what kind of imagery is Paul drawing here from our text this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. The ESV says leads us in triumphal procession. The NIV says leads us captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And the CSV says puts us on display. There's something happening here. Most commentators believe that Paul is drawing from a cultural analogy in which we would not necessarily understand to a degree. Sure, we all love a parade. We all love to watch a parade and to see the glories and splendors of a parade. But when Rome would go out and conquer a new place, a new territory, and a new city, they would gather up all the spoils of war and then parade them back in to their Roman territories. And it was a great honor and privilege for a general or a Roman leader to be able to lead that procession in triumph over what he's done in victory, not in defeat. And in this, they would bring in all the gold and the, and the, the fine qualities, the silver and all the rare items that they were able to uh, take as, as, as spoils of war and they would be able to pray it and all the people would be able to see it and they would say, look, all our businesses are going to flourish as a result of this. And at the very end would be what? Prisoners of war. Slaves. And as they would march through the streets, the citizens would throw petals and incense and burn incense and throw things into the parade and as a celebration, kind of like the ticker take parade, you know, where they throw everything. Now imagine, if you will, you're in the procession on the very end. Those captured and slaves. And as you marched in chains, you'd be stepping on this stuff and it would just be, fragrance would be coming up. A fragrance of death. And the reason why is because when they got to the capital, wherever they were going, the Romans would put these people to death for entertainment or to make them serve in the games for entertainment. And Paul is drawing from this cultural analogy to create this biblical Im- this imagery in our head to associate it with the biblical analogy of what he's trying to do here. That Christ is leading us in triumphal procession, but He's victorious 
over our sin. And He has held us captive in Him. Amen? And the fragrance is now going out to those who are observing. And for them, it's either an aroma of life or an aroma of death. Fragrance. So I've come to ask you here, does the title of the sermon that you see on the screen is, What's Your Fragrance? The one that I'd normally call this, but I don't usually publicize it, is, Do You Stink? Do you stink? What's your fragrance? Do you exude the fragrance of Christ, or is it something else? This is not the first time where we see a fragrance reference represented for people of God. Turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65, beginning in verse 1. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation that was not called by my name. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walked in the way that is not good according to their own thoughts. You ever met people like that? Want to give you their own thoughts and opinions that seem to go against or contradict God's Word? And a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on the altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend their night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things. It is in their vessels who say, Keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. You've never met any people like that? That don't want to share the gospel with people whose sins who very much need the gospel, but oh no, no, I don't want to associate myself with you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Now there's something interesting here. This word nostrils is often translated as wrath. But here, and we see why it's called wrath. But here it's translated nostrils in association with smoke. Has anybody been around when somebody's burning garbage or other smell and just that scent gets in your nose and you just, or you smell something and just gets in your nose and hangs out there all day long and you can't get rid of it and everywhere you go you just constantly smell it? He is so displeased in their actions that what they do is like a smoke in his nostrils that burns all day long. He is displeased. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent. I will repay, even repay into their bosom your iniquities and the iniquities of your father, says the Lord, who have burned incense on the mountains and blasphemed me on the hills. Therefore, I will measure their former work into their bosom. We see here the biblical imagery of the way in which we can live our lives. How... We can come to church and the only time we pick up our Bible is on Sunday morning and then we set it down for the rest of the week. Or we come here and we're distracted when we worship. When this is the opportunity for us to give all praise, honor, and glory to God, is God pleased in your aroma and the way you live your life and what you present in your worship? i got a gross story to tell you. You'll have to hang on. Prepare yourself. You ever been on a school bus? I used to grow up in the I grew up in the South, rural South. Forty minute bus ride to school, uphills both ways in the snow, all that, right? 
and we would ride in the heat of the south and the humidity. And then some kid would throw up on the bus. Now how awful is that? And you know what happens. It starts a chain reaction. I can tell by the looks on some of your face, you're disgusted already. It is displeasing you. Proverbs 26.11 says, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. When was the last time the same disgust you exhibited here about the vomit story disgusted you about the sin in your life and what's going on and the manner in which you live it? Do you stink? Or do you present a sweet-smelling fragrance of Christ? Ephesians 5, verses 1-7. through Ephesians 5, verses 1-7 through says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us a fragrant or an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And this is put in contrast to what follows. But fornication and uncleanliness and covetous, let it not be even named among you as fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because these things are the the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers in them. Who is competent for this? Back to our text. None of us are is the point. That thanks be to God, be to God who always leads us. It is the work of God who makes us competent, making us able in Christ. I can't help but think of the the prisoners that uh, I minister to who are participating in this program who face real persecution. They can't fake it, in other words. Prisoners know when prisoners are lying. They all have that connection with one another that they can pick up on it. And I was asking the chaplains who are doing great work and have worked in years, and they were excited about these opportunities. And they said, you know, normally, even before COVID, now we have to teach statistics that way, COVID and pre-COVID. Even before COVID, they were having one to two baptisms a year. Now, baptisms is, you know, nothing in the water saves you, but it's a reflection of that public profession of faith that these gentlemen are coming forward to identify as believers in Christ and to leave behind their way of life, which is a real threat to them. And even in other parts of the world, when people come to faith in Christ, it's a real physical threat to them to do so. They could very well lose their lives. And so when she started the program, these men have gotten so far for God that on Easter Sunday they baptized 19. With real threat of persecution to their lives. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as so many peddlers of the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God and in Christ. There are so many false teachers and who are peddling a false gospel, doing so for their own glory, not to those who are perishing, but for their own vanity. 
We see this also in 2 Peter 2, 18-22. For when they, the false teachers, speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness. While they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. And then, second, and then Peter quotes the proverb that we just read over, 25-11. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit. We also see here in verse 17, these prepositions that are here. We are not as so many peddling the Word of God, but as of sincerity from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. The ESV says it this way, in sincerity as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So what are we to speak? What are we doing? What is the fragrance that we're presenting? Or do we stink? 2 Corinthians verses 14-16, through notice this, now, I'm a college professor, so y'all got to participate, all right? Through us diffuses the fragrance of what? Come on now. Y'all can do better than that. That was total silence. Through us diffuses the fragrance of what? His knowledge. Where? In every place. The fragrance of Christ among whom? Those who are being saved and among those who are perishing the aroma of life. Do you smell no differently than the rest of the world? Or are you spreading God's Word in every place among those who are perishing? It reminds me of a, of a fire, you know? Where Jim looks across the street and says, Hey, Martha, Bubba's house is on fire. What should we do? And Martha says, Remember the Christmas party? Alright, I'll let him burn. Right? No, people don't respond that way, do they? No, when you see your neighbor, even if it's your worst enemy, you see their house on fire, you run over, you run across the street, and you pound on that door and you say, get out! You're perishing! Why is it then that we live our lives in such a way that we don't share the Gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are perishing? that we close our doors sometimes, that our churches across America are closing their doors to people we don't want to associate with. Who need the Gospel. That's the only way they're going to find true justice to overcome the sin in their life. A true Gospel that leads to life. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 through says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the Gospel which I preached you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, fir uh, to you first of all that I, which all I also received, Paul is saying, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel message. Aren't people preaching a different gospel these days? There's a statistic that says 50% of evangelical churches have no problem with homosexual marriage. They preach a type of trans gospel. There are people that say that we need to continue to divide our culture up into races to keep a type of racial gospel. Let me tell you, true justice and racial reconciliation can only occur through the gospel of Jesus Christ as He invites us as one in His family. 
Then there are those who preach a sort of political gospel. There's an attitude among our evangelical churches that if we could just get the right person in the White House, that our problems would be solved as a nation. I'm here to tell you that what's going to save our country is for people to elect Jesus as Lord and Savior of their hearts and lives. There are some that are placing other issues. Not to say that politics is a bad thing. But they begin to place it over the Gospel. How many of you here in the last year have shared your political thoughts or opinions with at least one person? Two? Fifty? A hundred? Now how many of you in here have shared the Gospel? in the last year with at least one person. Two. Fifty. A hundred. Galatians 1, 6-10. Galatians 1, 6-10. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different Gospel, which is not another but there are some of you who trouble, who, who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, meaning him or the apostles or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. And as if that one time wasn't enough, he repeats the phrase again. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Do not elevate other things above the Gospel. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Notice, notice that in the text. And if you're preaching a Gospel that's pleasing men, It's not sufficient with Scripture, is it? If you're preaching a gospel that's pleasing to men, you're leading people astray, and they're still perishing. Do not elevate anything above the gospel. What is the gospel message? Romans, you better have heard of this, Romans Road. Romans Road kind of records it this way. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says that Scripture tells us no one is acceptable before God. There's nothing we can do or earn salvation. Romans 5.12, sin entered the world because of one man's sin, and death became because of his sin as well. And everyone sinned, so death came to all people. Romans 6.23, when people sin, they earn what sin pays, is death. But God gives His people a free gift eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 1.20 says that we are without excuse. There are things that, of God that people cannot see, but He has clearly revealed Himself so that they know there is a God. So people have no excuse for the bad things they do. Romans 5.8 tells us that God has shown us how much He loves us, and yet while we were still sinners, that Christ what? Died for us. Romans 10.9-10 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will what? And then the resurrection. It was credited to Him. Romans 4.23-25 It was credited to Him where writ were written, the words it was credited to Him were written for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The Gospel confronts people with their sins. It is offensive, folks. Especially in our day and culture now. Christ died for our sins and was raised and buried, buried and raised again to the Lord day according to the Scriptures. This is the Gospel message. So do you stink? Do you live your life in such a way that presents a different Gospel? I have something here. Can anybody tell me what this is? Kitchen matches. Can anybody already smell it? I haven't even struck one. Right, so smells are so ingrained in our memories that we can see or think about it and just almost smell it. Look how small this is. Look how tiny this is. Do you think if I were to strike this that it would fill this room with the fragrance? That everyone would be able to smell it? I was preaching a sermon on uh, running the race and... Uh, a lady came up to me afterwards in tears in her 70s. And said, Daniel, uh, I have uh, not shared the gospel in 30 years. She was in tears. I had to remind her. Took her by the hand and I looked her in the eye and I said, your race isn't over yet. And her eyes lit up. She said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And when I see her, she always tells me about somebody in her family or someone that she loves or that she's befriended whom she shares the gospel with from that point forward. Do you stink? Do you live your life in such a way that the fragrance and the aroma that you present where people are generally going to ask two questions, they'll say, are you a Christian? Because they can't distinguish you between the way the rest of the world lives. Or do they say, you're a Christian? Because they can tell. That knowledge is what they need. And it's such an honor and privilege for God to use us as vessels to diffuse His knowledge of the Gospel to those who are perishing. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place.